the next episode of Nerd Clicks and Chill will start in three, two, one, zero. Hey everybody, this is Nick. And this is Carrie. And we are Nerd Flicks and Chill, and welcome to Game of Thrones First Take, exclusively on LRM. Season 7, Episode 4, The Spoils of War, has just ended, and we're here to give you our first take on what went down in Westeros. Oh, man. Uh, But before we get into it, we also want to let you know that we will be doing a full detailed breakdown of the episode on our regular podcast feed, Nerdflix and Chill, which you can find on iTunes, Stitcher, and on our website, nerdflixandchill.com. Yeah, that'll give us a chance to calm down a little bit and then uh, give you our our thoughts. Uh, This episode is meant to be our instant reaction, and I'm not going to (laughs) lie, my hands are shaking. Yeah, I am... buzzing right now after that episode so much and what's funny is this was one of game of thrones shortest episodes they've ever done it did not feel like that for a second (laughs) no but i i I don't know what the lead here is i mean there's so much that went down we've got a cliffhanger on jamie lannister we've got daenerys going field of fire 2.0 on the lannister (laughs) army We've yeah. got the another Stark reunion. We've got the Cat's Paw Dagger. We've got Brienne and Arya. I mean, there's so much to take from just this short episode. Um, I don't. I, my instant reaction to it is this might be a top five episode of the show. I would completely agree. This is like. Uh, an episode nine, like season penultimate episode type of episode with with what it delivered and the amount of uh, excitement and energy and adrenaline that it ignited in me. Uh, this was like a season ending type episode. Yeah. Holy crap. And, and if this is what we get for episode four, I can't even imagine what's coming because we are now over halfway through this season. Yeah, I mean, this is just tremendous stuff in this episode. Um, where do you want to start? Uh, let, let's start. Well, let's start at the end. Let's start with that big open field battle between the Dothraki and then the Lannister and the Tarly forces. Uh, this battle was epic. I mean, this was everything you want from Game of Thrones. Um, you know, Daenerys on Drogon and, you know, just all this tension and drama. And we feel for both sides. I mean, this is just incredible stuff. Well, I think we kind of feel like Tyrion does. Because Tyrion all of a sudden pops up out of nowhere. It's like, oh, hello, Tyrion. And he's watching it. And of course, he has... He's got horses on both sides, quite literally. And... So it's like we are him right now. We're because we're pulling for both. And oh my gosh. Um the thing that blew me away was that the the level of intricacies and choreography and effects, this was like Battle of the Bastards level. Yeah, fight. I mean this is again they if we wondered at the time how is Game of Thrones gonna maintain the level that it's set in the last two episodes of season six, and here they fucking go. They just did it again. In a, in a episode four, like I said, this is like season-ending type episode. I'm just, I'm blown away right now, and I can't help 
but just completely fangirl out right now. I, I can't help it. I'm not ashamed. Yeah, uh, so what do you think, uh, Jamie Lannister, dead or alive? Alive. He's not going to be dead. I There's feel no like way. He, There's I no feel like way. We have to, I feel like we have to lose him or Braun, and I don't think it'll be Jamie. Yeah. But I, I honestly, I thought Braun was going to be gone from this episode. I thought so too. I thought all the, um, all the little narrative twists and turns within the battle itself seemed to indicate that Braun was a goner. Uh, yeah. but then they kind of subvert that a little bit by having him being the one that, that fires one of those, you know, arrows at Drogon and almost takes Drogon out, doesn't quite get there. Um, and then, you know, ends up kind of jumping in and, and saving Jamie. But Jamie's going to have a hard time in that armor. Yeah. yeah. That's usually why sailors don't wear armor, because it's really right. heavy and hard to take off. Well, I would hope he had some kind of training to be able to whip it off pretty quickly. <laughs> if he's underwater, I hope. I mean, I thought this battle set piece was just absolutely terrific. Uh, this is showing the horrors of battle. And again, you've got Jamie, a character you're sympathetic towards. You know, you've got, uh, you've got Daenerys on Dragonback and with all this kind of build up about what can happen to the dragons and, you know, that they have this dragon killer weapon. You know, you really only, feel the drama. And not only that, but just, the stunts that went into this with the Dothraki riding up on horseback like that. The arrow um, shots from horseback. Yeah. The, I mean, unbelievable. All of the, all of the pyrotechnics that they had. And if you've watched any of the after scenes or, you know, um, what do they call them? The behind the scenes stuff, the making of a, of a scene or making of an episode that they show on HBO after the episode airs. They talked a little bit about the Greyjoy battle and how, you know, all the fire that was in that battle, how it was all real. Like, they, they've they discovered, or they don't really like using CG fire, because it just doesn't look right. And that their pyrotechnic crew, their special effects crew, is so good, they can, they can make it safe. And holy crap... There are some pyrotechnics in that battle scene that were just amazing. And then all of the stunt guys that were actually on fire. That is such an amazing, um, uh, well, uh, effect or such, um, so much safety involved in doing those kinds of effects. I used to work on a stunt show and they had performers that were engulfed in flames like that. And it's, it's, it's crazy, but just to see the amount of what they did on this set it was just absolutely incredible yeah i mean this is a tremendous battle set piece here uh i mean there's just so much so many great character moments for everybody um but then like you also have the john and daenerys stuff from earlier in the episode which is fucking fantastic it's oh, so, so good, good with them together. Like yeah. down in the cave where, you know, you're seeing the old children of the forest, like hieroglyphics on the wall where you're seeing the patterns and the pictures of the, of the white walkers and how they, how they, you know, joined with the, the, the first men. And like, this is unbelievable stuff. And you get the sense that these characters are finally starting to understand each other. Yeah, and I love that it first started off, you saw the little spiral pattern, and we've seen that pattern all, I mean, since episode one, that pattern has constantly been shown, and I, and I love that interweaving of keeping that in there and keeping that consistency. And 
there seemed to be some chemistry between Danny and John, I thought. And I thought it was really funny that Davos even kind of joked and commented on it as well. Yeah, you know, um, I think I had mentioned before in some previous stuff that everybody expected a lot of a lot of people expected John and Danny to like meet and get together and stuff. But uh, I wasn't really kind of on board with that. I got to admit, I'm starting to become more on board with it. I'm okay with it. I mean, because I mean, who knows? John has quite the history of taking ladies into caves. Yeah. So, you know, here's another him with a beautiful lady in a cave. Sparks are going to yeah. fly. <laughs> If Jon Snow is standing in a cave saying, I got something to show you, I feel like that could be interpreted a couple different ways. Uh, But I actually, (laughs) I buy the chemistry between the two of them. Yeah, I do too. Because they both are in a similar circumstance and the similarity of their stories is starting to be known to each other in a way. Well, and they're... They're, oh, they're both people who have been through so much and have accomplished so much that weren't expected to accomplish anything. So I think there's definitely like a mutual respect. And of course, it doesn't hurt that they're both so incredibly good looking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm really buying the chemistry between the two of them. Daenerys is still pretty set on ruling and this whole bend the knee thing. But their relationship is developing. It's developing quickly, but I don't think it's developing too quickly. Like she's asking John for advice and like they're they're kind of starting to break through some of that tension and starting to bond a little bit, which is pretty cool. Well, we only have three more episodes left of this season. It's going to have to develop pretty fucking quickly. Yeah, uh, that's very true. And then of course, Arya returning to Winterfell, uh, and I think the reunion between her and Sansa is done about as perfectly as you could have with these two characters. Yeah, I, I thought so too. Although I was, it was really interesting at first because I'm like, they just like rolled out the red carpet when Bran rolls in. And then now here we have Arya and it's like, why did they let him have such an easy time in? And they're giving her such a hard time. Well, they knew Bran was alive. They didn't know Arya was alive. Ah. Uh. Yeah, they did mention that. But no, I, I, I loved their their reunion. I thought, though, that the reunion between... It was funny. The reunion between Arya and Bran was much more warm and and welcoming than the reunion between Bran and Sansa. Because well, Bran at least embraced like, Arya back. Yeah. Bran is kind of like, like a sick relative at this point. Like, he, yeah. he feels like it's like... Bran is here, but he's not exactly, like, human. And I thought that conversation between he and Mira, poor fucking Mira, man. Oh, that was that was awful. That was really gut-wrenching, I think. Uh, that chick drug your ass around the north with White Walkers on your tail. Yeah. Thanks, bye. You know, yeah. <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. But good and, for her, though, for, like, standing up and being like, listen, you know, you, I almost died for you. My brother died for you. But I thought that she, I, I liked that line that she said when when she left. She's like, no, you died in that cave. I, Bran Stark no longer exists anymore. And he says something very similar to that prior to her saying that line. Yeah. Like, he says that he's basically not Bran anymore. And, well, uh, there was somebody that referred to him as Lord Stark, and as he said, I'm not Lord Stark. Right, right. Uh, and then you have that whole scene with him and Littlefinger that is 
really interesting too where he uses the chaos as a ladder line on Littlefinger yes. and Littlefinger looks like he's about to have a heart attack. Yep. And yeah, I've been exactly. saying I've been saying for a couple weeks now Littlefinger is in a very fucking dangerous situation and with yep. Arya there it gets more and more dangerous. Like Littlefinger is in a lot of trouble. I don't know what moves he has left, but I think he is in a world of hurt and the Stark kids are going to be his downfall. Yeah, we've we've been saying that. I think we said that in our trailer predictions um, that we didn't see that Littlefinger really had much of a purpose. I think he's served his purpose in handing over the dagger after this. Yeah, he can be gone. I don't think I kind he's going to be around much longer. I kind of half expected Bran to, to get that dagger and do kind of like a, like a vibe thing, like from the flash where he like can, can see all the people that held it and what they did with it and stuff. Well, um, I think he did, but we just don't know that he did because yeah, it was I just mean, something, it was something in the way that he's like, do you know who used to own this or do you know who owned this dagger? It like to me, it's because he knows who did. Mm-hmm. So I think he did in a way do that. We just weren't privy to it. Right. And it could also be, we know Bran is getting things in fragments. Uh, yeah. he might not necessarily have like downloaded that bit of information yet about Littlefinger and Ned Stark and the crypts. I mean, it's interesting to see that dagger come back into play. Uh, I feel like we're not done with it yet, even though like Arya has it. Um, but yeah, I thought using that chaos as a ladder line. I mean, there's just so much happening in this episode. Jump cut over to Arya and Brienne of Tarth. Oh, man, did I love this scene. I did, too. And as I was watching it, I was like, I think this is one of my favorite scenes of the entire series. Yeah, I mean, this is... Just them two sparring was awesome. Yeah, this is Arya uh, showing off everything she has learned. And this is Brienne being frustrated by a potential pupil who she seems to also really be enjoying it at the same time. Yeah. I mean, this was great stuff. Yeah, and it was just, it was lovely to see her have that, um, was it Serial Pharrell? Was that, was that his name? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like have those type of smooth type dance fighting moves that he did. And so two things that I took from this. One, Brienne, when she asks Arya, who taught you that? And she says, no one. So she learned to fight a lot from the House of Black and White, right? And they're all no one. But then it made me think, I think it was in episode one of this season, uh, where Sansa and John are talking. Maybe it was episode two. I don't remember. Um, Sansa and John are talking, and they're talking about... Sansa's talking about not being able to be protected. And there's a right. line that Sansa says, which is, and she's like, no one can protect me. And I'm like, exactly. boom, it's Arya. Well, she also <laughs> used that line at the end of season six as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, uh, I, you know, that, that very well could be a little bit of, uh, a little bit of foreshadowing that we're setting up here. But I think Littlefinger's situation grows more and more precarious every week. I mean, yeah, I agree. now Bran could fuck him over. Arya could pretty much fuck him over. Arya seems very suspicious, and Brienne seems to notice that Arya is suspicious of Littlefinger. Um, I, I, I really don't know kind of where this is going to go next, but I just know Littlefinger's in a shit ton of trouble. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we also get to see some different things going on with John talking to 
um, Missande, where we have that whole John and Missande scene. I'm, I'm telling you, and I heard it mentioned on another podcast. I had had the thought, and, and I kind of sat on it, then I heard some other podcasts starting to mention it. I don't trust Missande. Really? I don't, I don't trust her. I don't know why, but she strikes me as somebody who might be, like, potentially working on the inside for somebody else. You have all this okay. information about Daenerys's camp that Cersei seems to know. Right. Like, she just has so many details on what's going on in Daenerys' camp. And I thought that when Daenerys was kind of interrogating Varys, you know, possibly suggesting that maybe uh, he might, you know, look for a better option as a as a ruler, uh, that maybe we're we're... Maybe that's meant to throw us off the scent of Masande potentially uh, being somebody who doesn't have Daenerys' best interest in mind. That's kind of a, a far-out thought, but I don't know. I just have—I'm I'm not trusting her at the moment. So then wh- how do you propose, or what is the connection, do you think, that she has to Cersei? Because it's got to be connected through somebody, and I don't see it. There. Well, it wouldn't have to be Cersei. I mean, it could be just smuggling well, information to somebody else, you know, or, That's, you know. No, it's, it's got to be more direct than that. It can't be, well, it was this person and that person and then to that well, person. Well, Kyburn is the master of whispers. Yeah, but, but then how do you connect her to him? I don't there's know. A, there's no connection there. I don't know. I'm not buying it. Well, there was a deleted it. scene back in season five where... Daenerys says specifically to Masande, don't ever betray me. Hmm. And it was a scene that was cut from the show. And I don't know if that was meant to imply that she might. But Yeah, but the fact that they cut it tells me then that there's that then they wouldn't go with that then. Because if it was so important, they would have kept it in. Not necessarily. I mean, they had some dialogue on on uh from the first episode that was cut that that people used to support their walking on water theory um, with the hound. So mm. I don't know. Uh, I just I, I just know that I'm not trusting her character right now. All right. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, another another shout out that I want to give is to Matt Shackman, the director of this episode. This is his first episode of Game of Thrones, and he fucking crushed it. Crushed it. What's his pedigree? What has he done before this? Um, I, I think one of the better things he's done was Fargo. Some of the first season of Fargo he did, and he did an outstanding job with that show. Uh, so, uh, you know, this is his first episode of Thrones, and I he really nailed it. I don't yeah, know if he's ever a, done anything with this kind of budget before. Yeah, what a way to enter this series. That was that was pretty awesome. To to handle to have to handle something that big. I mean, you've got. A Dothraki horde. You've got thousands of Lannister troops and dragons and fire and all this other, you know, CGI yeah. stuff. I mean, there's just so many moving parts that, like, this is like feature film level production and like epic feature film production. Oh yeah, and that's something that we've been talking about since last season. That now most of the episodes are like mini movies, and that's kind of what I'm hearing echoes of to what to expect for next season, uh, the final season. There, it's even less episodes, and they're going to be longer, where each one is almost 
like a, a really a mini movie. I and mean, that's really kind of what their budget is for every episode is yeah. that of what you would see in a movie. And cinematically, it can rival anything that you'll see in the theater. I'm I especially this one in particular, I'm blown away. I mean, he's done nothing on this level. He's done episodes of New Girl, Mad Men, um, you know, uh Fargo like I said, uh Grace and Frankie, You're the Worst, The Good Wife, American Gothic, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So I mean, nothing that even comes close to matching um the overall scope of Game of Thrones. And wow. now, now we're left with this aftermath of what the hell's going to happen. You know, what's, yeah. what's Daenerys going to do to, to these Lannister soldiers who are remaining? What's going to happen with Jamie Lannister? I mean, I have no idea, but this episode blew my mind. Yeah, mine too. And I can't wait. I can't wait to fully discuss it on our feature um, review of this as our, full-length breakdowns and recaps and speculation episodes clock in at almost two hours. And I have a feeling upon watching this episode again, it's, yeah, we're going to have so much more to talk about. I can't I, wait. I got to tell you, um, I wanted Jon Snow to punch the ever-loving fuck out of Theon Greyjoy. <laughs> I know is... Theon's been through the ringer. I know he has yeah. PTSD. But I yeah. just once want to see a Stark just lay that motherfucker out. Yeah, that was um, a reunion that you had talked about that you I think you said that you were kind of looking forward to it. You wanted to see John and Theon reunite and we saw it. And yeah, I again, I can't I'm so happy to see John and that has grown a pair. It's just makes me so happy. Yeah, like John really does seem to be stepping it up as a leader on this show. And he does seem yeah. to be, you know, he seems to be more in passion. I know one of your favorite things to talk about is the passionist, passionless Jon Snow. Uh, yeah. But he does seem to have a lot more, um, a lot more spirit this year. He's got a lot of more, a lot more fire in him, maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But uh, the yeah, Targaryen I, side. Ignite. Yeah, I, I don't know where this episode is going to rank among the great episodes of this show. Uh, I really like those last two episodes of season six. I really like Hard Home. I like Watchers on the Wall. I like Blackwater. Uh, but this one to me is going to be up there in maybe definitely in the top 10, maybe in the top five uh, episodes of this show of all time. I thought this was outstanding. Well, we will have to revisit that as soon as this season ends. Absolutely. <sighs> I can now breathe a little bit easier. <laughs> My fucking pulse was just through the roof there. Because, like, I thought Jamie was going to die. I thought Brahm was going to die. I thought Drogon might die. <sighs> Who knows? We'll, we'll find <laughs> out in next week's episode. But uh, I'm looking forward to talking about this again with you on our full breakdown that you guys will be able to find on our podcast feed, which you can find on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, at uh, Nerdflix and Chill. You can also check out our website, nerdflixandchill.com, where you can find all of our other previous episodes as well. Do you have anything else, Carrie? No, if, if I were to ever start smoking, like right now is when I would light one up. After I'm going to go pour some bourbon, I think. <laughs> nice. Oh, my goodness. All right, everybody. Until next time, thanks for joining us. 
May the force be with you, because the night is dark and full of terrors. <laughs>